Okay. <laughs> How fun. How many of you um, in worship had the feeling of almost like this, um, I don't know how to explain it, but almost like this, I don't know how, ah. um, menthol, you know, when, when you have this hot, cold feeling going down, it starts here and it, how many still feel that? Yeah, I can feel it. It got right, like down towards my legs. I'm like, come on, keep coming, keep coming. That's heaven coming down. So don't, don't actually get out of that. Um, just you just lean into that while I preach and close your eyes. Don't snore. That that might upset me a little bit. Um, <laughs> but just you know you don't want to miss that. I can still feel it. You know I, I still feel it in my body just vibrating. So just lean into to what he's doing. If you didn't feel it, no big deal. He's still all over you. Okay. <laughs> okay. One of the things that I. I am known for is for shifting of atmospheres. And I I feel remiss if I don't do something about that for your area. Um, every time I come, I feel like I the Lord gives me an ability to discern. And um, because I'm new to your area, I discern it. To you guys, it's probably normal. And so you learn to live under these things. But I just feel like some of you have been tormented by the atmospheres lately, that there's been some releasing of atmospheres that, that you don't want to even admit. Thank you. Because you're thinking, oh, there's something wrong with me. And um, when I talk about atmospheres, it's like radio broadcasts that are coming from the enemy, um, talking to you, telling you things. And it's easy for us to pick them up and think they're us. So I'm just going to tell you these things aren't you, and you're going to be like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Okay. Um, and I want to break some things off of you, and I'm not going to make you stand because it, it's, it might be embarrassing, but here we go. Um, <laughs> That's really good. I'm going to start first with this word. We are coming out of a season of transition. How many of you are in transition? You're about over. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. It's been a season of uncertainty, and fear has tried to attach to us. Doors have closed, and you've thought, you know, this job that you've had that, that you think, why did I get pushed out of that job? You've actually felt like you were kicked out in some of these places of situations, um, all kinds of areas going on. And I declare to you it's because it is a year of open doors. And some of us would not step through new doors if those doors had not been shut on our little behinds. That some of us would not take the opportunity of this season. 2014 Jewish calendar is supposedly open doors. So it's funny to, to have that feeling of, okay, so, but some of you have gone through a season of, of just this torment of there's something wrong. Um, all these things are going against me. And I declare to you all the doors that were closed, even if they were forcefully closed, were closed because a door is opening that you are going to have to step through. Ha, ha. And this is your door and your time. Okay? Ha, so I just declare that. <laughs> At the same time, that causes a little bit of a problem in one area. There's going to be so many doors opening, you're not going to know which ones to step through. And you're going to need to discern what is good, what is better, and what is best. 
Don't take the first door. Now, the first door might be the best. Take it. But, but ask the Lord for discernment. So while God is opening doors, there are some doors the enemy's trying to open. Does that make sense? Because he's a counterfeiter. He rides on the anointing that's happening, and, and we pay attention to that. One of the things that's going on, and I'm just going to be blunt here, okay. There is an uh, a broadcast into the atmosphere of lust over this area. Now, some of you are like, oh, my gosh. Some of you are like, oh, thank God. I thought that was me. It's not you. You're, you're picking up the broadcast of the enemy. And some of it is coming off as physical. Some of it is like you're seeing porno- pornography in your mind and you're like, I have not been looking at this and it's just bombarding my mind. I declare it stopped. Channel changed in Jesus' name. Yeah. Ha. It's not yours. Quit feeling the shame of it going through your head. Now, if you've actually partnered with that and gone into pornography, repent by yourself right now. Just repent. Oh, my gosh, God, I'm sorry. I I bought into that, and I'm just going to repent, and it'll be gone. But there's another lust, and this is the biggest one about these open doors. There's a spiritual lust. You want what somebody else has. Does that make sense? And there's a door opening, and, and the doors are opening, and you're going to be like, but I wanted that door. And I declare to you, you are not orphans. I declare to you that there are enough doors for all of us to go through. <sighs> you do not have to take the door that someone else is positioned for. Every one of you in this room today are here today because the doors are opening for you. Each of you. <sighs> And I just declare that done in Jesus' name. (laughs) You guys still like me? (laughs) All right. That's not a corrective word. It's been very strong here. Just the, the pull to desire what somebody else is getting from God. And that is a poverty spirit. It's not enough. God doesn't have enough for all of us. We're not going there because the open doors are for us. And if you are pulled away by the lust of somebody else's spiritual giftings, you will walk through the wrong door and it will not be for your best. Now, God will get you back through the right door, but it won't be as fun. Okay? (laughs) So here we go. In early November, I had a dream. And in my dream... These two, a young man and a young woman, were at a conference, um, like a business conference. And they, it was being held at a hotel. And they snuck away from the conference delegates, and they were sneaking down into the hotel rooms. And you could tell they were going towards the bedrooms. And um, they were kind of like giddy because of, oh, we're getting away with something, but they're Christians, and they know it's wrong. And, but they're like, oh, okay, the excitement of, oh, are we going to get away with this? And, you know, the excitement of it all. They get into the hotel room. They start kissing. All this stuff's going on. And right before they're about to um, have sex, the boy stops and goes, wait a minute. What if you get pregnant? And she says, oh, it'll be okay. My mom will be disappointed, but she'll love the child. And I woke up with this 
oh, in my spirit. And I heard the Lord say, there is a casualness to sin, and it's in the church. Ha, 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 ha. Smile. <laughs> this stuff will all tie in, hopefully. I'm, I'm giving you a bunch of... I like to do the shotgun effect, just pellets everywhere, but it will come out of the same gun here. I woke up probably about two months ago now with this this phrase just singing in my spirit, the simplicity and purity of our devotion to Christ. I could just, the simplicity and purity, and I'm almost like, you know, the Snow White movie, you know, where she's been, the hunter's been after her, and she's out in the middle with all the animals, and, and they're encouraging her, and the birds are singing, and she's like, oh, you know, and I'm thinking, the simplicity of our devotion to Christ, you know, I'm just all excited and I just, this thing is singing in me and it's singing in me and it won't go away. And there's just this song and song. And then I looked it up and it's a warning. Because Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 4, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of our devotion to Christ. C.S. Lewis says, the enemy always sends distractions in pairs because he relies on your extreme dislike for the one to propel you past truth to the other. And if we are, if we are not careful, our extreme dislike and stance against an issue will take us past and over into also the other side, the opposite distraction. The paired distraction. Back in the 80s and 90s in America, I'm not sure what era it was for you guys, everything was a demon. You guys remember that era? It was like, there's a demon over here! It's like, we're so afraid. We're just like, everything is is demonic and, and we made the demon so much bigger than God. And and we did. It's like one of the jokes is like, there's a demon in the peanut butter. And don't put it with the jelly demon. It'll be twice as bad. You know, there was this, this over-excitement towards the demonic realm. And what did it do in the church? It caused fear. And so what did we do? Well, instead of going to truth, we go, which is Ephesians 6, that we are in a war. We are in a war. We went past the, the Ephesians 6 and putting on the armor of God and the fact that Ephesians 1 tells us that Jesus sits above the powers of principalities. We went past that all the way over here to, oh, no, no, there's no war, no demons, all good. God, it's all love. It's all love. It's all good. But both of those are paired distractions. And what happens over here? We're getting taken out and we don't know why. Because we don't have our armor on. There's this, this sense of swinging from back and forth. And what is our plumb line? Our plumb line is the simplicity and purity of our devotion to Christ. It's the connection to Papa. And Papa's connection comes through the door of Jesus Christ. It's what we felt today in worship with the heaven coming down. 
We have to find our plumb line because as these doors open, if you have been frustrated about there's not enough, there's not enough, and all these doors are closing, and you're going to be propelled from that all the way over to, I'm just going to pick the door. And you're not going to have the door the correct way to walk when you get to that door because you've missed the simplicity and purity of your devotion. Does that make sense? Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 says that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, world forces of darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And that verse became so real to us over here that, oh, they're coming to get me. And But we forgot in this time over here that Ephesians 1 tells us that Jesus is seated far above all powers, principalities, authorities, and dominions. And we don't have to be afraid. But we also aren't to be ignorant to that we're in a war. The fact that we're seated with Christ in the heavenlies doesn't mean there's not a war. It just means we see it from the perspective of a victor. Another distraction that really hits the church is poverty and mammon. In scriptures like Matthew 6.24, it says, No one can serve two masters. He will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. And the right um, translation is you cannot serve God and mammon. But most of people say you cannot serve God and money. And so the church has decided, well, we're going to stay over here because we're afraid of money, can't have money, can't have money. And so our extreme dislike for the money sends us over here to this place where we walk in poverty, we're in a poverty spirit, and we can't, you won't, you'll never... It won't happen. All of that mindset is a poverty mindset. And so we decide, you know, oh gosh, you know, I don't really like being poor. I don't really like not having dreams. And so we run all the way over past the plumb line of truth and all the way over here to, I'm just going to stick that picture, that Ferrari on the car, Lamborghini, whatever, on the, on the refrigerator, and that's mine. And both of those are distractions. Does God care if you have a Lamborghini? Absolutely not. You don't. I mean, you can have one, but it needs to be in the plumb line of your simplicity and purity and devotion to Christ. You know, Christians are afraid. We are so afraid of what's inside of us. My husband is just great, and he talks about money is power, and it exaggerates what's in your heart. And the church is terrified of what's in our heart. And so we cap the money. And we say, no, I don't want money. And I'm going to stay over here. And I'm going to be insignificant. I'm not going to have any ability to to go into the world and to change the world market. Because I'm going to stay over here insecure and poor and not able to do anything. Because I feel safe here. Because I'm terrified of if God puts money in me, I'm going to swing over here and be just some weirdo. But we don't need to be afraid of those. Those are both paired distractions. We need to keep ourselves in simplicity and purity to our devotion to Christ. Third John 1-2 is our plumb line. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. When you carry a prosperous soul, when what's inside of you lines up with heaven, when you can say, whether I'm rich or poor, whether I have good health or bad health, I know that you, Father God, are for me. 
When you can say, you know, in, in our stream, one of the hardest things is when you don't get your miracle. The enemy starts going, what's wrong with you? How come you didn't, you know, as you start feeling that oppression, it's like whether rich or poor, you know, there's a lot more scriptures in here. Quit trying to remake the word and just settle in and nestle into that, what God's doing. Papa, I don't get it, but I'm attached to Jesus and I'm following him because I'm not afraid anymore of what's inside of me. My husband says, Christians should live like a blender without a lid. (laughs) So that when we turn that blender on, we get Jesus all over the walls. (laughs) But we're afraid of what's down inside of us when that blender's on. So we cap it. And we stay over here and minimalize. Do you know? (laughs) You know, Pharaoh had a dream, didn't he? He had a nightmare. And he went and got Joseph out of prison, didn't he, to interpret it. Do you know that Pharaoh is having a nightmare? The Pharaohs of this world are having nightmares. And they have asked the magicians to come and to interpret it. It's our economy right now, all of the economies. You know what? They haven't got a clue. And, you know, Pharaoh would go, oh, no, that's wrong interpretation. Kill him. Wrong interpretation. Kill him. Next, who wants to try this? That's what's going on in our world. Joseph had the interpretation. Where is the church? Most of the church is in prison to debt. And the world is not coming to you to ask, what is the interpretation of my nightmare? (sighs) Don't be afraid. Of what you carry in the Lord. Break free of that poverty spirit. Don't go past it all the way over into mammon. And all the way over into I am entitled. I get. It's all going to be this great life. Everything's going to be golden roads. Don't swing past the simplicity and purity of your devotion to Christ. Which is I'm following you Jesus. I'm saying what you're saying. And I'm going to have an answer to Pharaoh's nightmare. Hmm. Last one. I don't know about you guys, but I... (laughs) I'll tell the story this way. On the prayer lines at Bethel, we had like two years where we would have prayer lines and it would be like, assume the position and you'd just be, you know... And they'd be like, more Lord, more Lord. And I would watch for two years. Everybody around me hit the ground. Pom, pom, pom. And I'd be like, nothing, nothing for two years. I would feel different when I left. And I would struggle over this situation. It can't be God. That, that can't, it's not happening to me. It can't be God. And then the really bitter elder's wife hit the ground and came up nice. And I thought, there's got to be something. I'm not feeling it. I'm not sensing it. This doesn't make sense to my religious brain, but something's happening. Okay, now I'm probably preaching to the wrong choir here because you guys are in this church. But I'm assuming some of you in here can identify with not feeling that connection that people are feeling. I was on the line two years. The first thing I heard in two years was, 
I, God's big hand came out of heaven. I saw it. And I saw in his hand a seed, which was an emerald, which was me. Does that make sense? It's like, I know it looks like an emerald, but I know it's me and I know it's a seed. And he says, look what I've created. Isn't she beautiful? Oh, that was cool. I was like, that was great. That was probably about 18 months into standing on the wonderful line, <laughs> waiting for God to talk to me, waiting for me and having to just hassle and, and just get back up to the line and, and just keep coming up, keep coming up because nothing was happening for me. But I was changing inside. Does that make sense? Nothing external, none of this fun stuff happening. So I'm standing on the prayer line. It's been about two years now, waiting for God, still, I mean, just being, coming up, coming up. And we had just heard a sermon about Peter denying Christ. And I'm weeping, and I'm saying, God, you know, I think of myself as really brave, but I bet I would have denied you too. In the face of someone coming to you and saying, oh, weren't you with Jesus? And thinking, oh, they're going to take me too. You know, Peter denied him three times, not because he was not a a brave person, but because he was afraid in that moment. And I said, God, I said, I bet I'm not as brave as I think, and I, I bet I would have denied you. And I heard, no, you wouldn't have. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's talking to me on the prayer line. And he's telling me I'm brave. He says, no, 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 kiddo. In my day, you wouldn't have been asked that question. I'm thinking, what? He goes, oh, in my day, you wouldn't have been a disciple. You would have been a Pharisee. Oh, you can shut up now. So how many of you understand in that place of growing up with a religious spirit? I had a religious spirit before I was a Christian. I could kill a party. I would walk into a party. It would die. Fire tunnels after I became a Christian. You know, they'd have God would be showing up. I'd go and Pastor Bill says, run to the anointing. And I would run over there. It would die. I would kill the anointing. People would be looking at me like, please, no, don't come. It's such a strong religious spirit. Most of our churches have this religious spirit. And what has happened? We've been so frustrated and so bound in this religious spirit that some of the situations that are happening now that we've gone past in this paired distraction, we've gone past what is truth and into what I'm going to call sloppy grace. It's all good. Doesn't matter. I mean, I had a woman raise her hand and, and ask me, you know, I'm really confused. Why do I have to confess my sin? Didn't that happen on the cross? Didn't he know that yesterday I would sin? And didn't he already pay for it? Yeah, he did. But you are allowing your liberty to stain what Christ did. Do you see that? It's like we've got these pendulums going on. And it is time for us to stop the swings. You know, we can't sit over here on this side of we're free. This is amazing. We have God shows up in our church and scoff over here because you are now pushing yourself over to the side of a paired distraction and it's taking you away from the simplicity and purity of our devotion to Christ. And God says, there is casualness of sin in my church. And it's over here. Because a lot of us didn't learn to walk in freedom and self-govern ourselves. I learned really well to obey the rules. I was a great Pharisee. 
I was such a great Pharisee, it took me two years to hear him. I'm not proclaiming that over you if you're struggling. I'm saying that was mine. And I had to learn that once this freedom happened, I had to learn as I'm swinging over here, oh, yay, everything's free, everything's okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's not still not okay to do those things. And the plumb line that's going to keep you in all of these paired distractions is your simplicity and purity to your devotion to Christ. Close your eyes. I want you to repeat after me. Holy Spirit. I give you permission to show me if I have strayed away from the truth of the word of God. And I'm not even going to worry about how I got there. I'm going to give you permission to swing me back to the center. That today, supernaturally, you will return me to the plumb line of Christ. And I will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I hand to you any way I have stepped out of bounds. And I repent if I opened any door I should not have opened. And I close it now. Holy Spirit, if I've been picking up the atmosphere, if I've been coveting other people's gifts, I repent. And I release them to walk in their manner worthy of the Lord. And I hand you the confusion between these paired distractions. And I'm not going to be afraid anymore. That's what's down in my blender. Papa, if there's anything in that blender that's not Jesus, remove it now. Because I want, Holy Spirit, for you to turn that blender on high and get you all over the walls. And I settle in my spirit today. The word of God, which is my plumb line to the simplicity and purity of my devotion to Christ.
Give me, Holy Spirit, a ravenous desire for the word that I wouldn't be able to get enough of it. That revelation would come alive again. That the stories that I've read for a hundred times would come back to life. Give back the mystery of the word. Oh, ha ha. Holy Spirit, in this season of open doors, lead me to my door. Not just the good one. Not even the better one. But the best. And I thank you, Papa, that each of us in this room has a best door. There's one for each of us. And I don't need someone else's door. And I will rejoice when their doors open, even when I'm still waiting for mine. Because I'm believing from this day forth my best doors opening now. Ha! Ha ha! Ha ha! In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Donna.